Hey, I'm Bryant. And I'm Noah. You are listening to the Bryant and Noah podcast. We believe in connection, community, and collaboration through meaningful conversation. There is power in connection. Having the courage to reveal our desires will help us understand each other. Each conversation draws us near a new understanding and a more purposeful life. Who we are as individuals can be magnified through community and shared knowledge. All right, Bryant, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Noah, how's it going? Bryant, how are you, sir? I am great. I'm wonderful. 97 degrees outside, and I'm indoors in the AC. <laughs> yes, this is a day where I was just decided, like, if someone texts me or anything and says, like, hey, come out, I'm not going. Sorry, I'm not doing it. It's too hot. I love <laughs> being in my apartment. I love the AC. Like, mm-hmm. no, the air <laughs> is nice and cool in here. I'm not giving myself a reason to sweat <laughs> at all. It is humid. It is, it's death outside. It, it truly is death outside. Nice, nice. So uh, everyone, we know that it's been some time, but we are glad to be back and talking to you. And we have a great topic at hand mm-hmm. to talk about. And I know that we touched upon it a little bit within our season one. So you can go back and listen to our episode, uh, episode nine about gay men and monogamy. But really what we want to talk about is take this conversation a little bit deeper and talk about redefining relationships. So that's the topic of the day. So we're going to explore what what monogamy can look like and also taking that from the step of dating all the way up to marriage and what those things require, what is required within those stages, and also to have a healthy relationship overall. So, of course, we broke this down into three questions. Uh, But before we get to the questions, of course, it is our question of the day. So, Noah, I'm going to ask you, what do you notice first in a potential mate? So, the very first thing I noticed I'm not gonna go with the first thing, guys, because I, I can't say it with a smile. So I'm gonna go with my second thing. The second thing that I noticed about a potential mate is um, their eyes. I am a very forward person. And so I tend to look you directly in your eyes when I am talking to you, especially if I'm meeting you for the first time, because you can't lie when you are looking someone directly in their eyes. Everything that you were saying um, for me, the energy and the vibrations, I can tell when you're bullshitting. Um, yeah, I can tell if you're being honest. I can tell if you're being genuine. I can tell if you're hiding something. Um, but that, and it's also kind of like, I don't know. I like, I like intimacy, even with a stranger. So like looking you directly in your eyes, I kind of feel like it's just you and I in that moment. And that's necessary. And if you can't look me in my eyes, shift, then it probably won't work out. Okay. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you there. For me, that's not the first thing uh, I notice. For me, it's your smile. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to see who you are at your happiest. <laughs> and, it's one of, and I think it's one of those things where, like you said, looking in a person's eye, you can tell if they mean what they say or not. Mm-hmm. Like the smile, you can tell when it's genuine or when it's fake, mm-hmm. or if it's like one of those smiles that's just like, oh, I'm just uncomfortable right now. Like you can tell a lot through a smile, but I like seeing pure joy on a person. Like yeah. when you're smiling, laughing, like that makes me feel good. It's a really so good. yeah. So that's what I look for first in a potential mate. And also just to tell if you're a genuinely happy person. Yeah. Like I hate a Debbie Downer or someone (laughs) who just so, right? Like nobody likes that. Or if you're just cynical, I don't see a reason to smile. There's nothing to be happy about. It's like, okay. (laughs) What if it's like a person, like for instance, I could be like, and this is true to form. I could be over the moon, like literally having the best day ever, and my face is completely blank. Like there's not a there's not like a a, a grin on my face. And I always be like, no, why are you so mad? I am happy as ever. Like I'm in like right. the best place right now. But I would, I guess, because like I'm usually in my head thinking, or just kind of my natural state is to be neutral. I don't like just smile unless of course yeah. i'm given a reason to burst out but other than that like when i'm happy i'm just kind of like straight stone face like what happens but in that moment i don't like, get to but in looking at a potential mate mm-hmm. i don't get to tell you what you should be happy about yeah like just because everyone else is smiling laughing having a good time doesn't mean that you aren't because you're stone face but in those moments where i see like wow like i see you in pure joy right now i think that's a beautiful thing yeah so if 
in with like let's say you're meeting well guys Brian's already partnered but let's say you were like in the midst of dating and because you are looking at smiles are you actively trying to like work at getting a smile at someone or are you just waiting and genuinely seeing like what they get excited about no it's not like I'm watching with the hawk eye like <laughs> smelling about what no, that's, no it's just one of those things that just has to happen like okay okay it's like I'm pretty sure you look many people in the eye through conversation you're not thinking about let me find the truth in them it's just one of those things where the cars was like wow I can tell you really mean that mm-hmm. like and that's great you know okay. so I think that's just it it's not something you look for it's just something that has to happen and you okay. can't tell time and space when it needs to happen for you it just happens gotcha okay yeah good all right so now we're getting into the main topic which again is redefining relationships so our first question is what does a healthy monogamous relationship look like to you so noah i'll let you take this one away okay so first off clearly i'm single so i don't know exactly what the answer is to this question but um i think at 33, having experienced life in the way that I have um, and doing a multitude of reading and watching relationships and being a friend to uh, friends in a relationship, I think monogamy um, or a healthy monogamous relationship really is based on the your level of communication and vulnerability and honestly just kind of like Uh, it's a space where two people get to make up their own rules. And these are rules that make them both happy, that set them both free within that relationship. The idea, the construct of monogamy um, has always been romanticized. And these it's almost like intangible. It's like all of these unnecessary rules and regulations. And at this moment in my life, monogamy is exactly what I choose for it to be. Today, it could be about, say, you know, it's only you and me, and um, there are no outside entities. Um, we have to, I don't, what else? Uh, let's see. It could be very kind of like black and white, this is what it is, and that's it. And tomorrow, it really could be me, you, and someone else. It really could be about, you know, um, an open door policy, if you will. I don't know. I feel like monogamy is all about the, the commitment aspect of yeah. choosing each other consistently. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is kind of like the extras, like the, the, it's like the extras on an ice cream. It's like just the sprinkles and the cookies, all that stuff. It's just, it's your choice. Um, but yeah, I guess like for me, monogamy or a mono, uh, healthy monogamous relationship really is about the level of communication and vulnerability and being able to dictate what that looks like for you two on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Um, the one word that came to me is it's just about accepting that person, mm-hmm. right? Like, of course, there's the choice to make the decision to be with this person. That's who you're going to be with um, and take care of. Um, and be taken care of like it's a give and take um it's not one-sided uh whether it's financially spiritually mentally uh physical health uh sexual health all of those things it's all within that decision of being with that person but it's a level of acceptance there and not just sorry not a level of acceptance it's just truly the whole word um for me a healthy monogamous relationship looks like acceptance fully i'm accepting who you are and, pl- and possibly who you're going to become because I don't expect you to remain the same. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about wholly accepting who you are now and who you're going to be. And I think um, that requires you to understand your partner a lot more and you need to ask the right questions and really kind of entrust that person that and trust that person and trust that they're not going to take advantage of your vulnerable moments. And that takes a lot of courage. So it's knowing that this person is not going to be going to betray me uh, based on the information I've shared with them and vice versa. Like it's acceptance, it's trust, and it's also having the courage to be vulnerable with each other. Like, for example, me and my partner right now, we have 
many uncomfortable conversations, but I say to him all the time, like, let's have those uncomfortable conversations because the worst thing that can happen is that we brush it off or we're both like, I don't want to talk about it right now. And then it's just something that eats at you. So have those uncomfortable conversations. You might discover something or even come to a decision that works for both, both of you. So I, with, so because we mentioned the word healthy monogamous relationship. I don't know why this comes to my mind, but when you talk about healthy relationships, and this is just for me because I think people have their own ideas, obviously, but does a healthy relationship have to be one where there aren't any, is a healthy relationship essentially perfect? Meaning are there, is it a, is it a space where there isn't any frustration, pain, hurts, mistakes made like, that's where the courage comes in. <laughs> and then what, no, honestly, that's where the willing to be vulnerable comes in. Yeah. Because so, sometimes we get into, and this happens in any relationship, like you get into an argument, right? Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating. You're both in the height of your emotions. But I would say that the number one mistake that people make is they start attacking each other versus attacking the problem. Like, no, this is something that we need to figure out because I understand the impact it could have on us in a negative way if we don't face it right now. Because the point of us talking through this is to build ourselves up together. Um, and I think people kind of like get off track with that. And you have to remind each other like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's hitting below the belt. And now you're going after something that's a bit, that I shared with you out of the space of vulnerability. And you're not protecting that. You're not honoring that. Let's focus on this, you know, and it's, it's going to happen. Not to say that in a healthy relationship, it's just going to be all peaches and cream and roses and rainbows all the time. Like, no, like the reason why it gets better over and over year after year, uh, forever, for however long you're going to be together, is because you're tackling those ugly problems. Yeah. But you have to do it in a healthy way. I agree. I agree. I had to act that just because. I think when people have these conversations, I won't say, I think when people, when people are having these conversations and we hear the word healthy relationship, um, perfect relationship, for some reason, I think we all have this idea at one point or another in our lives where it's not going to be frustrating. It's not going to be hurtful. It's not going to be, and I won't, I'm going to say toxic, but I don't mean toxic. Um, and I think people tend to forget, like you still have two individuals yeah. living simultaneously <laughs> there are going to be differences you are literally and i and perhaps it's why i like arguing it's probably one of the things that i drive at but um i've never expected relationships to be one where we agree on everything and yeah. you're going to take my side on everything and i'm being completely honest i think it's a space where um i know that there are there are points where i can potentially hurt your feelings and you can hurt mine the idea is that we don't allow those things to hinder us. We talk about it. Um, I remember hearing my brother make this promise to his boyfriend a couple of years ago. He's like, I'll never hurt you. You have my word. And he's like, you can't make that promise. Yeah. Life no, is too chaotic for you to make that promise. And it's unrealistic. Yeah. So you have to then accept that this person will hurt you at one point or another, mm -hmm. or this person will hit below the belt. But I'm having the trust and the courage that you're going to respond in a way when we go to address it, you're going to respond out of the elevation of our relationship. Yeah. And you're seeing the vision of where we want to be mm -hmm. and where we can be. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's not possible because either we avoided this conversation or we're in the middle of it and we just don't <laughs> see a way out, but work through it. Like that's... And sometimes it's not like, okay, we had this conversation scheduled at three o'clock and we ended at four and we resolved it. These are marching orders. Like, no, it's something that you have to work at all the time or be conscious of all the time to mm -hmm. say like, okay, I know this person, this person mentioned this one specific thing to me. Do I want to make a decision that's going to damage all of the work that we said we would do? And now it's just eating weight at our foundation of trust. Is that worth it? Probably not. So I'm going to respond out of my higher self mm -hmm. and make the better decision for the both of us because that's what a healthy monogamous relationship looks like to me uh, is you two making decisions 
with consideration of the other person being that you made the decision to be with them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. All right, I'll let you go for question two. So question two, <laughs> dating for experience versus marriage. How does this impact the view of monogamy among gay men? Should gay men follow the examples of hetero marriages? Okay, this is quite layered. <laughs> so dating for experience versus a marriage. I don't see an issue with either one. I think what happens is, is that among gay men, there's so much gray area because if I just feel like there's a pocket of people who are dating for marriage, but aren't finding others that are within that same mindset and they're dating for, and they find a, Amen. they find people dating for experience. Amen. And I would say that it's about the understanding and the communication. Like I would say that's the piece that's missing and that's causing this gray area to get um, a little bit to remain there. Like you're yeah. not seeing where a person stands because the communication is not happening. And I think it then perpetuates the idea that monogamy is not, uh, not possible amongst gay men or they just want to have a hot boy summer every other summer. <laughs> like they're not making decisions to be monogamous. They can't settle down. Like, but I think the more that we have these types of conversations, like, hey, going into a dating experience and being intentional about why and what, and neither one is wrong. Like, I, I don't judge on either one. Like, if you want to date for experience, that's great. Go for it. Like, you may not want to have something long term for your own reasons. I can't tell you what that is. Or you're dating for marriage because that's where you see your life going. So you get to choose what you want your life to look like. But I would say, let the other person in on a secret. Like if, you're, if you know early on, like uh, this is not something that I could see turning into something long-term. Um, or if it turns to that, I'll bring that up in a conversation again. Like and not just communicating one time and letting it be, like you sometimes have to revisit those conversations. So I would say that's what needs to happen in order for that view of monogamy not being possible amongst gay men to kind of be shattered a bit because it is possible, we've seen it. Yeah. But, I, I, but then it brings the next question, should gay men follow the examples of heterosexual marriages? Like, no, <laughs> I don't think you should. <laughs> because like when you, when you actually think about it, like the examples that we've that we've had is about tolerating a person, like what at least the ones that I've seen in my experience. Mm -hmm. Like between if someone is with someone for years and years, it's either about being in survival mode or not having other viable options or being stuck there. Like I don't think that's the time that we're in right now, especially amongst gay men. Like you can truly, again, create the life that you want, create the experience that you want. So I don't think we should be following that example, that specific example of marriage. Not saying that there aren't marriages out there that um, aren't healthy and have all of these limits on them. But I would say just for me, for the most part, I haven't seen many of them that are healthy and that ideal way that we would imagine so should we be following those outdated examples I don't think so I think we need to in a way just keep living the life that you see fit for you and your partner because the more of those examples that come out like hey this worked work for us or this what worked for this couple that couple like the more we send those examples out it's like wow I'm not crazy like what I imagine to be possible actually can be achieved because I've seen it, you know? And I think for so long, we've seen examples of marriage, um, just bad examples of what a marriage <laughs> should be, no, like, like bad examples of what a marriage uh, should be. And then we try to mimic that and make that blueprint better, but it's not built on a strong foundation. So you can't make that blueprint better. Yeah. So you need to find we need to keep living our lives out loud in a way that's showing other people an example of what is possible. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs to kind of be pitching in, living their life. So that's how I answer that question. I'm gonna um, answer this 
backwards. Okay. I'm going to start with should gay men follow the example. And obviously, it's a hell no. It's a, it's, it's a hell no. Okay, 30-year-old <laughs> single Black gay man in New York City. It's a no. And it's you make great points. Like, we don't have, and I say we don't, and I want to say for the most part, majority of Black gay, Black gay, Black families, we have this, we've been told that grandma and grandpa um, were the idea of what a perfect marriage was because they stayed together. They love each other. No, they tolerated each other. Yeah. Because of the time and era that they grew up in, usually grandma, great grandma had to stay with granddaddy because they couldn't get credit without them. They couldn't buy a home without them. They couldn't, it was just too much. And so the safest thing for them to do was to stay in their marriage. Now, when you talk more current with our parents, perhaps there was a little bit more independence, but then there was also that toxic belief that these women needed men. And it's mm -hmm. so unfortunate. Whereas you and I live in a space and time where independence is at its all time high. And the idea that I don't need to conform to any one individual to have a successful life frees us from those kind of shackles. So relationships look different now. Um, now, when you're talking about, you know, the experience versus marriage, I'm being completely honest when I say this, you can ask anyone that's ever known me. I've been dating for marriage since elementary school. It is okay. my only, I've not dated for any other reason than marriage. Marriage, children, house. Um, and it's because it's essentially all that I knew with watching TV and reading romance novels. I knew that I didn't want to just date just to be either building a body count or because or just think, or I guess like having that like um, hierarchy in high school of I dated so-and-so. I will say I dated a guy in high school just because I knew I could because everybody wanted him, <laughs> but it was a waste of time. Anyway, um, I think dating for experience is a beautiful thing. And I say that now because I am realizing experiences are way more important than possession of said person. Mm -hmm. And being able to see myself in um, to see myself in various ways that other people see me when they're either romantically involved with me or sexually involved with me, it helps me to identify the person that I'm becoming. In that experience, I still have intent. And I think that gay men oftentimes lack intent. It is really, for the most part, everything is about an experience. It's everything from the sex, the body, the vanity and the, I guess that champion of saying, I'm dating so-and-so, um, the travel of uh, being aligned with certain people. I think you and I live and work in a space where honestly, if you are dating someone within your industry, you somehow are synonymous with this title of power couple. And everybody is not Beyonce and Jay-Z. However, I will let you have your title. Like it really is, it blows my mind how often I see black gay couples that align specifically for that power couple title, because they look amazing. They're at the top of their game currently in whatever industry that they're working in, be it minor or major. And so it makes sense. And okay. I'm at, at, at one point, I was that individual. I dated men who aligned with where I was in life. And so that we were essentially moving at the same space um, or at the same pace, so to speak. Um, I think the lack of intent often comes from the fact that we don't know what, what healthy monogamy relationships look like. All we know is it's going to be the end of all fun. Like literally, if you think about it, because everything is rooted in sex for us, monogamy means I can only have sex with one person. I'm not gonna do that. And then it's too much to define polygamy or um, what's the other word? Uh, okay. Yeah, um, those things, scare some people. I know it scared me at one point because I knew that I wanted to have like various partners, but to say that I was in a polyamorous relationship went too far to the left. So avoiding having to go too far to the left, being too constrained to monogamy, you know, I just kind of either stayed single and did my single thing. Mm -hmm. um, or I convinced myself that I was happy in this one sex partner. And I convinced myself for a very long time, at one point for eight years, the same person, one person. Um, I have a question. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead, sure. So you were speaking about the lack of intent 
in the dating, like, and how you've been dating for marriage since you were a child. <laughs> so um, I just want to ask, in your experience, what did those conversations sound like before you got into? Um, I'm glad you asked, Brian. I'm glad you asked. Okay. Because I, I forgot the point, and I, as you were talking, I wanted to make sure I brought it up. And this comes into the communication piece. And we've talked about this before, I think, um, just by ourselves. I make it very clear what my intent is whenever I'm dating. But for some reason, men assume, because I say I'm dating for marriage, that I want to marry you. No, sir. I am okay. dating for marriage. So my dating you is to see if this potentially can be something, not to say that I'm ready to marry you tomorrow, but the idea is that whomever I'm aligning with I'm actively seeking out whether or not we can grow together. Does this make sense for me? Does this make sense for you? I'm very forward with that when I talk about, you know, I want children. I want the husband. I want the house. I want the, the career and the travel. Um, and it freaks a lot of men out. And again, now all of that in one space, um, because that is my intent. Uh, so I have a question, a follow-up yeah. question. Okay. After how many dates do you feel that, okay, this is someone that I want to start, you know, basically make it official with, like, bring it up in a conversation, and is it date number seven, number five, where it's like, this is the date where I'm going to bring this up into conversation where I think potentially I want to see how this works out with you on a longer term basis beyond dating, uh, with the intention of seeing if marriage as possible in our future is that something you're open to like do you ever bring up those conversations and at what point do you do so and then also if it's not um and also if you find that you're not wanting to bring that conversation up how do you then make it a conversation to like break that off okay um so i want to say this started in middle school okay three month rule um, we had, and I don't know where it initially came from. It was, I know it was impacted when I was in high school, when I discovered, um, high school, sex in the city. Yes. But in middle school, there was a three month rule. It just naturally happened. We had to be on a quote unquote vibe situation. Um, and in um, middle school, you're like going to like movies and hanging out with friends and social circles or whatever. Um, and if we were consistent for three months, it was like, hey, I like want to be with you. And that for me, that was with boys and girls in middle school. It was very, it was very mature for my age, ladies and gentlemen. I knew exactly what I wanted and I wasn't afraid. Um, but no, it, it genuinely was true. And when I got in high school, the same thing happened when I lost my virginity. I waited okay. three months. Um, I waited three months while we were quote unquote dating before I decided that this needed to be serious. And then when I got into college, it was still the same, but it was more so, who did I date? There was one guy that I met off of BGC. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, you're, I just you're like aging like us. Like I'm aging myself. Okay. <laughs> but I met this guy on BGC. Um, I was going to the, the library at the time to use a computer. We met off um, 183rd and 27th at a checkers, shared a fry and a Sprite. Um, and two days later, we were in a committed relationship, and that committed relationship lasted for two years. Um, I didn't have sex that entire two years either. Um, and then there have been spaces where it literally, I just dated for a year. I just feel like you, you will know. Sometimes the dating experience really is the commitment. Because I think to commit to dating someone is still a commitment. To be serious someone is the next level of commitment. Um, sometimes it just takes longer to get to know someone. I guess what it is for me is the question I'm really asking is how do you ensure that the other person is on the same page? Oh, you can't. So I'm being, I, for me, I don't think you can ever 100% say that we are on the same page unless of course, you know, you've gotten past that dating, you've gotten past that like um, honeymoon stage, so to speak. Uh, you can be as transparent as you can be and ask the necessary. I will ask straight four questions. This is you and me. Are you speaking with someone else? Are you lying to me? Do you want marriage and do you want kids? Now, when it comes to that question, you ask about like, what if like, what happens if it just, it's not gonna pan out? I'm very straightforward. 
when we have that conversation, which is usually date two, always, I want children. I want marriage. Okay. Um, so you bring it up early on. Like, well, that's, you know why? Okay, because I don't have time. I just can't. Um, no, no. I want to agree. That's really what I wanted to get to. Like, yeah. so, how early on do you bring up that conversation? And then as you continue to date the person, and then you decide to like be with that person, like on, let's say, boyfriend boyfriend status. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, like it's basically official. And then, like, how does that revisit of the conversation sound? Like, hey, some of the behaviors that you're exhibiting is not really um, showing me that you are on a track towards wanting the same things that you said that you wanted when we were on that date number two, those two years ago, for example. So that's never, so I was like, that's never happened. Um, I've never had that kind of follow-up only because I've had two long-term relationships. One that lasted seven years, the other that lasted four. Um, and if anything ever shifted um, in all complete honesty, because I, at the time, thought the world revolved around me, if your actions weren't lining up to what our initial conversation was, I didn't care because I felt like I could change your mind. Mm -hmm. I felt like regardless of what you're just, you're demonstrating to me, I've Sounds already- Sounds very familiar, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the examples of some relationships that we've been following, that's yeah. not really setting an example of what gay men should be following. Mm -hmm. Like we've seen relationships where it's like, oh, I know that he's, playing me seeing all these other people and he says he wants to be with me but you know if i just do better then he'll see that i'm oh, worthy God. of his love so like that so i think that's quite sad like i think like i think the point that you're proving is coming to our next question uh but it's about the communication and yeah. having the courage to speak up and say like hey this is not a picture of what i want and yes this is going to be very hard i'll be very very sad but you will get over it, so will I. But in the grand scheme of things, where yeah. I see my life, where where I see my life going, this is not the foundation of how I want it to be built. Yeah. And I think it takes courage to bring that up, you know, like, and either that person will realize, oh, wow, I actually forgot about that and I'm going to get back on track or wow, I'm glad you're bringing that up because I've been feeling this way as well. And I just didn't know how to bring it up to say that this is not what I want. Like have the courage to speak up, you know? Like, I think that's really what it is. And with that, we'll get into the third question I'll ask you. <laughs> uh, so talking about communication, free work and compromise and why these are necessary for a healthy relationship. So, First and foremost, I want to tackle that last word there, compromise. What does that mean to you? Or what did it mean and what does it mean now? Okay, so what it meant before mature Noah, um, and in all honesty, compromise for me really was more so about me having to compromise who I was and what I wanted. I lived in a compromise, I lived in a position of compromise where I needed to shift. It was never about the other person. I'm a pleaser. It is naturally who I am take that disclaimer back. It is who I was, it is what I lived in um, because I wanted to appease. It was the fear of not being lovable. It was a fear of not being accepted. It was a fear of being rejected. And so compromise for me was like, okay, so I won't do that. Or I don't have to have those things uh, at this precise moment. Um, I'm okay to try that. Like I always gave versus receiving. Now, um, compromise really is a matter of for me, it has to be a healthy blend. I can't make any more sacrifices. I refuse to make any sacrifices. I also refuse for my partner to make sacrifices. I don't think that I need to settle, nor should they. The moment we have to, I, I begin to lose respect for myself and the person. And that is because prior to us coming together, we had ambitions, we had dreams, we had whole lives. Um, the task at hand is to figure out how does these things work, meaning let's say we brought this up in um, one of our pre-work conversations if i have dreams which i do of living overseas at some point and we both have established lives here we have to figure out when is that actually feasible for the both of us yeah compromise for me is saying okay noah i know you said you wanted to do this the summer of 2025 can we do this spring of 2026 and this is why and this is what we're gonna do working up to this. 
if it makes complete sense, if I'm not losing anything, it, that's perfect. But it's never, uh, we can't do this because I have to do this. Because I'm at a point in my life where I can have a relationship and I say this now, I don't know what that's gonna look like with a partner, but I'm secure and strong enough to allow my partner to do what he needs to. We can exist on different coasts. Literally, yeah. that is where I'm at because I, I know that I love in a space of freedom now. I'm not holding on to anything too much. So compromise has to be something that benefits both parties without sacrifice, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, the communication and the pre-work, uh, the pre-work part, this is, those two are, those, those are things that I've like over the last couple of years have actively um, been forced to work on. Because I, though I pride myself on being a communicator, I am not a communicator when it comes to relationship, okay? Okay. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Very much so. It is, it is very much Noah said what Noah said and that's that. And it's, you hurt my feelings, shut the hell up. You did that. That didn't make any sense. And I'm understanding like communication doesn't have to be an argument, even though there may be dis in a disagreement. Um, the pre-work as far as like, you know, everything from where do you see your life in five years? I think we, we've all asked that question. What do you want out of life? That pre-work has always been embedded in me. Um, at one point, I shifted um, that pre-work conversation, part of a compromise, me giving. I stopped telling men that I wanted marriage with kids. I literally took it off that pre-work conversation because it was deterring so many men. Because for some reason, again, gay men feel like when you have those conversations, you are you're just saying it as if it's with them. I am letting you know, this is what I want. I'm asking you, are these things important to you? Do you want these things? Um, I will say, I will not date a man that doesn't believe in marriage. I will not date a man that does not want children. I have, and in some spaces, depending on how fine you are, I may give you a couple, <laughs> couple months. To, <laughs> listen, I'm being completely honest, okay? I will entertain you just to see. And, you know, I had to have a coming to Jesus moment a couple of years ago. It's like, what happens if marriage is in fact, what happens if marriage and or kids aren't in the cards with me? I know that I can live a healthy and happy life without ever getting married. I have to have children. And so because children are non-negotiables, I make sure I have a non-negotiable conversation. Meaning these are things that I can give and take. These are things that I can probably work against. I can, I can probably go without this. Um, and I think it's important because it's part of who you are. You are working as hard as you are because of these things. Um, and yeah. that goes, that pre-work and communication, they're, they're hand in hand. Um, I don't think enough of us are having those conversations. I don't, think, yeah. I don't think we're, I take that back because I know some really phenomenal same-sex couples who are master communicators and they have been intentional about it um but at the very beginning of their relationships they weren't and i think that we're seeing that shift where now we're having these conversations and i'm going to be right. honest i know that this is the reason why i'm still single because my non-negotiables are non-negotiable i'm not going to sacrifice those things um but i'm also not going to beat around a bush and i'm not going to uh placate this idea that i'm okay with dating just because it really that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to waste my money and my time and my body on you for what? It just doesn't make any sense. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that pre-work conversation should happen more often and it should, you mentioned about revisiting it. I never thought to like revisit those conversations. I usually have them and I just yeah. time do what it does. And people, people do change. People shift, goals shift. Um, last year, I want I didn't want kids at all because I was just like that is too much work. That who would why would you want to do that for yourself? And this year, I'm having baby fever every goddamn day. So yeah, um, yeah. I just think uh, when it comes to communication, the pre work and the compromise is that you have to know yourself like mm -hmm. wholeheartedly and know like what your priorities are. Yep. 
And also I'll say within that, if everything is important, then nothing becomes important at all. And that's how you confuse yourself and confuse other people. So you have to have your priority list, whether it's three or five, like that's what you go for and those are your non-negotiables. But when it comes to um, compromise, communication, that's all I preach all the time. Have the conversations, whether it's ugly or tough, work through it if you feel that you want to be committed to that specific uh, relationship. The pre-work to me is so important because you have to ask questions in the form of, if we were to do this, then what would you do to understand the other person's mindset? Are we in alignment? Are we going to handle the situation in a way that we both prefer? Or are you gonna make a decision where I'm like, what the heck was that? Um, so that, those pre-work conversations are necessary, whether, uh, for example, like, hey, if we had kids, uh, first of all, do you want children? And you decide that you both do. Okay, if we had kids, uh, I prefer to discipline them by taking away some things that are privileges for them. Oh no, I believe in um, using the belt. Well, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> and we compromise in some way on that. Like, oh, okay, well, but compromise for me means flexibility without causing resentment in your partner. That's what it means for me. Before in the past, I thought it meant that one person is completely happy while the other person goes without. Same. And I thought that the feelings of resentment was um, something that couldn't be off the table. Like it just has to exist because that's what compromise is. I know I'm not completely happy, but he is. So this is just what it is. And we have to compromise. Like, no, like I truly believe now is about flexibility and understanding that our priorities are still priority. They're still at the top. We're just becoming flexible on the areas that can be flexed. Yeah. So if it means that I want to move to the West Coast, but you really don't prefer it, but you wouldn't mind it as long as these priorities are there and maybe a few other things that Alyssa being satisfied, hey, if it works for both of us, let's go. Are you gonna feel any resentment towards me and this and that? No, honestly, I'm flexible on that. Like, because the one thing that's constant is change. Yeah. So what makes those compromises easier is doing the pre-work, having those pre-work conversations before you get into a deep relationship with someone, because then you'll find that you end up arguing about things where in your mind, you're like, this is so silly. <laughs> well, did you do the pre-work? Because now you're having silly arguments. Yep. But if you did the pre-work and the pre-work can have, the beautiful thing about it is that as long as you're with someone that has like sort of the same mindset as you, like if it's not the same mindset or you're not in alignment, then I don't see it working at all because things are just be all over the place in terms of priority and then wants and goals. But if you're along the same mindset, that work can be done in a moment while you're compromising on other areas. Mm -hmm. So I think it's necessary for a healthy relationship because there's going to be times when you're not going to agree and two can't walk together and accept that they do. But it's all about understanding what's important to you and then what's important to your partner and making sure that you both have a, uh, are along the same mindset, but also keeping flexibility in mind mm -hmm. and not taking advantage of each other and calling a compromise, but you're causing resentment in your partner. Like, I don't think that part is right because why would I want my partner to <laughs> be yeah, Like, that's not gonna make me happy. Like, okay. you want them walk on eggshells and, your own space like no I don't want to cause any resentment in you so we probably just need to figure this out again like let's make it a conversation again like that follow-up is key yeah all right so we're moving on to our POVs you want to go first or should I I'll let you go first wonderful so my POV for this episode is shooting your shot okay because we went through a whole point, I think, last year where everyone was talking about shooting your shot, uh, yeah, being, being bold, you know, not waiting for someone, you know, going after what you want. But that's what the hell I did, okay? Needless to say, my back behind is still single. But me shooting my shot isn't like me sending you a DM with, you know, some cheeks or like, uh, hey, cutie, or hey, handsome. It really is like, hey, um, we've been following each other on social media for a while. You're close in proximity. I would love to have dinner with you or coffee or whatever. Um, it's me essentially um, like 
Bryant referred to it, a call to action. Like <laughs> this has to go somewhere. And for the most part, most responses have all been very kind of, I won't say sketchy, but just very weak. I think I've maybe had one coffee, no, two, a coffee and in a park walk with um, two guys that off of social media, but everyone else is either intimidated or flaky, um, which honestly just kind of, uh, it's unattractive. Like you are this, you are this big thing on social media. You have this presence and to be a flake, it's kind of like ill, like. Integrity. It really, like it was, it's one of those things kind of like, so you really are just face and body or this is just all you have to offer. And to your point that you mentioned earlier about personas, um, and I know you'll get to that, but like, it sucks if that's all that you are like about. If you are in, in fact inferior to, sorry guys, if you are in fact um, afraid of someone experiencing you in your fullness, there's a problem. Yeah. Like, you truly only get a fraction of Noah online, but that fraction that you get is literally a watered down version of who I am actually in person. Like I am so much better in real life, which is why I'm not afraid of like taking it off uh, Instagram or even on dating apps. Like they never lead to anything. Jack, Grinder, Plenty of Fish. What's the other one? Adam for Adam, aging myself. Like all of these apps, like they just, they, they lead to nothing. And it's so kind of like, which is why honestly, I do better in real life experiences. Like yeah. when I have no problem approaching anyone. So like being in public is probably where I do best. So thanks COVID taking away my options, but the world is open <laughs> up. So I intend to have a hot boy summer because I'm gonna be out here and I'm gonna take somebody, man, I'm not. Only single men. <laughs> Only single men. Only single men. But yeah, that's my POV. Uh, we have some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's my POV for this episode. It's just, you know, it's amazing how we get caught up in this this whirlwind of social media and we get lost in these 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 lives that we create online and then there's no follow through like it just stops there like that wasn't the point of social media at least not for us when we were growing up we started with MySpace like MySpace grew into Facebook like but we were communicating and we were connecting and Facebook was about college so meaning you met someone from a different campus or a different university and you guys were able to meet offline now we're just like it's literally virtually like in a like virtual relationship, which I've had one, not that bad. If you are like alone, but I digress. That's my POV. Yeah. Um, just adding on to that. Um, yes, we had a conversation around social media personas, but I remember listening to this video in the past about why people don't meet on dating apps. It's because you're always wondering like if there's something better on the next swipe or also you're hiding behind the avatar that you put up, that you've created. And also even through social interactions mm -hmm. um, on social media, people aren't seeing a multifaceted person, which is what you are. They're only seeing one side of you. So if you end up giving X, if you start off giving just X, right? The letter X, that's all I give on social media. But then you're like, no, I'm gonna open it up. I'm gonna talk, talk about X, Y, and Z it confuses people because it's like, wait a minute, I thought this is what I got and now I'm getting this, um, not really my thing anymore. So you might find yourself living up to a social media persona that you've created or that you feel that you need to keep up in order to uh, have interaction, which is why a part of me never really understood social media. Like people <laughs> like know what you know, I'm not really a social media person. I know admitted that you googled me literally and only found like one or two photos is because I just never really understood like I'm more than what I can possibly put up on a Facebook or Twitter or any or Instagram or anything like that um and then also my life is mine um but I think um when it comes to social media like the reason why some of those people probably feel intimidated or insecure is because they're wondering in their minds, like, am I going to live up to this persona that I created? And will I be judged otherwise? Because I am multifaceted, but how do I show that if I don't just present the idea of what someone created in their mind about me and I don't give that back to them? 
basically following a story that's been written by someone else. Like, how do you navigate that? And it's a real thing. Like, I'm not, I, like, I was stuck in that as well. I remember I met, this was over a decade ago, but I remember I met someone off social media and different things were coming up like, oh, I was expecting this of you. Oh, I was expecting that of you. And in my mind, I was thinking like, what? <laughs> mm. Like, just because you saw this on social media doesn't mean that's who I am. That's yeah. literally one facet. Like we are multifaceted individuals and you can't count the facets. Like that's just one piece. And you took that one piece, decided to amplify it and say, that's you. So it can, it can definitely play a trick on a person's mind where it's like, oh, now I have to live up to that specific person. So if I show anything other, um, it's going to be rejected. And the fear of rejection is a real thing. It is. So it's just a matter of like, again, just having the courage, being secure in yourself and saying like, I'm going to be who I am 100%. And if someone doesn't like it, then you were never my cup of tea anyway. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. So be yourself, guys. <laughs> be you. Please be you. No, I'm, saying like, I'm saying that in a joking way, but no, that's the truth of it. We need yeah. everyone in life living their life out loud, playing their part, because you never know who's watching and who you're inspiring yeah. so that you can sort of like have that impact. Like that's really what life is about. You want to make sure that you're impacting someone's life and you never know just by you being you and like you said, living in the fullness of yourself, like that's a beautiful thing. And mm -hmm. that's what people want to see. Agreed. Yeah. Well, that's our episode. That is our episode. That was good. I enjoyed that. So did I. So did I. So guys, of course, you can follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Bryant and Noah. You can follow us on Instagram at Bryant and Noah. You can search us on Facebook at Bryant and Noah, the podcast. And then also you go to our website, bryantandnoah.com. That's right, guys. Be sure to follow us, comment, share, and subscribe. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We thank you guys for listening. And we will talk later. Talk soon. <laughs>